Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hello, this is Michael Benner, host of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Happy to be with you again today as we make really a pretty major shift. We've spent quite a few months now recording the audio version of my paperback book, Fearless Intelligence, The Extraordinary Wisdom of Awareness. And then uh, we did a couple of other episodes where that book was featured, and I was interviewed on other people's podcasts and radio programs. But what I'd like to do with this next episode is introduce a series of what I think will be probably three podcasts in a row here about emotional intelligence. And this is going to, I think, develop into a whole series that takes us back to our roots, back to the spiritual and metaphysical roots of the ageless wisdom and what that's really all about. But I've decided to begin with emotional intelligence, and in the next couple of episodes, I think you'll see why. The emotions, particularly our happiness, our joy, and that set of positive feelings that fall under the category of love, is really the portal, the doorway, or the entrance to spirituality. It's important to distinguish right here at the top of this episode that love is not an emotion. Love actually conjures up a variety of emotions, from ecstasy and bliss to heartbreak and depression and sadness and a sense of betrayal or abandonment even. So usually when people are asked how does love feel or describe that loving feeling, they only describe the warm and fuzzy presence of love as if it were an emotion, a positive emotion, the source of our joy and our happiness. But uh, love is more of a drive. In fact, love is awareness and the basic understanding of life itself. In philosophy, it's often said, love is the only thing there is, or love is the only thing that's real, that all material things will pass away. All of your thoughts and emotions will fade and pass away and move on, and yet the one thing that remains is love, When you understand it as much more than a feeling, when you understand it as consciousness, sentience, or better said, awareness itself. I think we should distinguish between awareness and consciousness or sentience, but I'm going to wait a while to do that because there is disagreement. The words awareness and consciousness are used interchangeably. For now, it's enough just to say love is more than an emotion. It brings up a lot of different emotions, the widest variety of emotions. But let's think of love as awareness. 
There's a riddle in the ancient Eastern Upanishads that asks the question, what is it that we cannot see, hear, or feel, but without which nothing can be seen, heard, or felt? The answer is awareness. Without awareness, nothing exists. There's nothing more fundamental than awareness itself. In philosophy, the word awareness is often capitalized when it's used to refer to the absolute, another word that's capitalized when we're talking about divinity or the ultimate creative source of things. You can use awareness with a lowercase a, as in self-awareness, or to be aware of a circumstance, often called situational awareness. So, like love, I suppose, we could capitalize it to have a spiritual connotation or use the lowercase l for love. So it is too with awareness. But the capital A awareness, like the capital L love, is a synonym for what religious people would call God. The reason other words are used by English-speaking philosophers is to avoid conflating the term God with a personification of a man on a cloud, vis-a-vis -vis the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, Michelangelo's portrayal of God as an old bearded man reaching out from some other place toward man. The image of God as a human being separates the creator from the creation. Even though many religious and spiritual teachers will say there is no separation, that God is everywhere, God is in its creation. But nevertheless, there is this connotation that divinity, the source of all things, the creator is very far away. There's a difference, for example, between the teaching that God is love and the concept of God loves you or that you should love or worship God. In the latter, you have a subject acting through the verb love upon an object. God loves you. But God is love, and you are in the image of that love, is non-dual. Another word that's used in philosophy to describe all separation as an illusion. Well, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we want to talk about emotions as an entree, an introduction to the spiritual hierarchy and how that all works. Again, not in a particular religion or even set of religions, and beyond the idea of comparative religion to Prisca Theologia, or the ancient perennial philosophy, which here we call the ageless wisdom, or the ancient wisdom. 
which is an aggregation of spiritual beliefs that actually predates religion. It goes back thousands and thousands of years to a time when there really was no written language, East, Middle East, or West. And so these are the original oral traditions as passed down in all cultures and all times. There's a remarkable agreement or a maybe better said a consensus about the nature of spirituality, who we are as human beings, what we're for, our relationship to everything around us in this world. And that's basically what metaphysics and mysticism is really all about. Again, this is the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. So nothing you have to believe, nothing to sign up for, no secret decoder ring, no oath of allegiance, <laughs> just offered for your consideration, truly ancient concepts of awareness and existence. All right. Having laid that foundation, let's talk about the role of emotions at the interface between our thoughts and our behavior. The first thing you need to understand is that there are three parts to the self, mental, emotional, and physical. If you would like to visualize three circles side by side, perhaps connected by a horizontal line, the first, beginning at the left, would be mental, corresponding to our thoughts, our ability to reason, to think rationally, and for the most part, deductively. This is a reductionist way of thinking from general to specific. Ideation, thoughts, all right? On the far right is behavior. This would be the physical circle. And besides behavior, we can include in this physical health. All right? It's the result or the output of the first two. So if the circle on the left is our mental nature, our thoughts, our logic, and the circle on the right is our physical nature, our behavior, and our health. Then the circle in the middle, the heart of this triad, this trinity, is the emotional nature in the middle. It's the heart because it's in the center between our thoughts and our behavior. And this is important because ideally thoughts are an energy that is driven by the force of emotions into behavior. So now we're going to overlay on these three circles, mental, emotional, and physical, or thought, emotional, feeling, behavior. We're going to overlay on that the idea of thought being an energy, somewhat like amperage, if you're familiar with the way electricity works. The middle circle is the force, somewhat like voltage, 
that drives the energy of the thought into action. For example, we might have a great idea in our mental nature, our ability to reason, our imagination, creative thought, an idea, a belief that doesn't go any place. It never gets to a result, to any kind of manifestation in the physical, because we didn't care about it, because we didn't believe in it, because there was no faith. That middle element, the emotional force, the drive, was not there. So an idea you don't care about doesn't happen. So this is the way voltage, often called the electromagnetic force, EMF, Voltage is the pressure that drives the energy forward in Ohm's law. And it's pretty much like that in mind science. Our ideas are an energy that need to be pushed or driven forward by the force of emotions. Now here's another allegory that will take this idea just a little bit further. And that's if we think of thoughts, the mental nature, as being like the steering wheel of a car. So our thoughts determine our direction. The middle of this trinity, mental, emotional, and physical, the emotional part in the middle, well, that's like the pedals in a car. And so if our thoughts are negative and fear-based, We're standing on the brake. Only if our thoughts are positive, we have faith or belief and a sense of excitement, enthusiasm, and expectation. Do we take our foot off the brake and put it on the accelerator? And then the behavior, of course, is the car begins to move faster and faster toward the goal that we've defined with the steering wheel, with our thoughts. Now, there's also the situation where we act out of emotion without much thought. Hey, buddy, why'd you do that? And he says, or she says, because I felt like it. Yeah, but did you think first? Did you ever think about the consequences or possibilities? No, actually, not until it already happened. I gave it an afterthought. So this was a case where without much thinking, the mental nature, that first circle on the left, our behavior, the third circle on the right, came out of just emotion. And then we thought about it later, which is often called rationalization. So that's like taking your foot off the brake and stepping on the accelerator of the car before you grab the steering wheel. And so you'll move, but Lord knows in what direction or what you're going to end up smashing into. And so mind science is exactly the same. We have a problem if either of the first two are missing. If we think but don't care about it, don't have any feeling, those thoughts are never driven into action. If, on the other hand, our behavior comes only out of emotion without much forethought, 
we're often going to end up getting a result that's undesirable. So it has to be a thought driven by an emotional feeling that creates the outcome. So left, center, and right, these three circles connected by a horizontal line, has to be a great idea, a thought that you care about, that you believe in, that you have a positive expectation about creating, that's the emotion, the center circle, leading to the behavior. Now, you might say, wait a minute, I learned in psychology class, or somebody told me someplace that feelings create thoughts. And if you reflect on that a little bit, it's often true that the way you feel will cause a change in your thinking or stimulate a whole new type of thought. But the reverse is also true, which is we can have thoughts that change the way we feel. And so there's a back and forth initially between thought and feeling. I think of it myself as sometimes like a ping pong game where go back and forth, thought, feeling, thought, feeling, thought, feeling, or maybe thought, 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 and then feeling, 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 thought, 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 feeling, feeling. (laughs) But after having done that, when you decide or determine that you're going to settle on a particular idea or thought, and you care about it, you believe in it, and you're going to take action forward, then we have, ideally, the best order, a thought that we feel passionately about. If it's negative passion, we're going to stand on the break. But if it's a positive, enthusiastic passion, and oh boy, a sense of adventure, we're going to step on the accelerator And the behavior is the car moves forward. It's very important that we begin by seeing emotions as the interface between our thinking and our behavior. That our emotional nature, the oh boy feelings as well as the oh no feelings, as being in the center between thought and behavior. And I'll explain why in some upcoming episodes as we expand the center of the mental, emotional, physical, which is our emotions, into an understanding of the overshadowing trinity that corresponds to this, which has a soul standing between spirit and matter. And I'm tempted to move into that now, but then I'd be getting ahead of myself and You've heard the phrase heart and soul. Well, why do those go together? Because they're both the center. They're the middle. The heart, in terms of our emotions, is the center between the mental and the physical. But the heart as soul, our spiritual love and passion, is also in the center between spirit and matter, between what a scientist would call energy and mass, or what a religious person might call God and man, or heaven and earth. The soul, 
on its own plane above and free of form, is the center between energy and mass. It's the consciousness or the awareness between spirit and matter. It, too, is the middle. Heart and soul are both centers. And that's why we have to start with the emotion being this interface or middle element between what we think and the behavior that we choose to take. Okay. So that's where we begin. Think of those three circles connected by a horizontal line, the mental, emotional, and physical. Think about the thoughts being the energy, the emotions being the drive or the force that pushes your ideation forward. And then remember the allegory of the automobile, where our thoughts, the mental nature, is the steering wheel determining our direction. The emotions in the center are the pedals. Negative fear-based emotions, you're standing on the brake. Oh, no. Positive enthusiasm and a sense of excitement, a belief or a faith in yourself and your ability and the opportunities around you. That positiveness, that positivity is the accelerator that drives you forward. And then the physical behavior is the car moves. But the order is really important. Again, an idea that we don't care about doesn't go anyplace. You're still standing on the brake. You got the car pointed in the right direction. What a great idea. But you never do anything because you don't have that emotional drive. You don't have the faith or the belief. And similarly, if we have a lot of passion but haven't given it much thought, then we may get an outcome or a result where the car moves because you stepped on the accelerator. But if you weren't clear about your direction, if you hadn't bothered to put your hands on the steering wheel, then it could be a tragic outcome. All of which begs the question I'll leave you with, which is, if your mental nature, your thoughts, your logic and reasoning is a steering wheel, and your emotional nature are the pedals, the brake, and the accelerator. And the physical aspect, your body, your health, your behavior, is the car moving forward. Who's driving? If you are what you think, you're just a steering wheel. If you are how you feel, you're the pedals. If you're just what you do, you're the car. But somebody's driving. Who's driving? And the answer is your awareness, your consciousness. And this is the essence of who you are. And the implications of this are overwhelming. We're going to talk a great deal about the fact that if we are not our thoughts, we must be our awareness of our thoughts. How aware are you? of the way your mind works and how you think. And if you're not simply your feelings, but rather your awareness of your feelings, then you could change your feelings as easily as you change your mind or change your behavior. 
You could be a whole lot better at managing your emotional nature. You could lift yourself out of depression almost on demand and maintain a positive, happy, fulfilled, and joyous life for no reason at all. When you understand the essence of who you are, the part of yourself that's actually driving the car is awareness. And it begs the question, how aware are we? I know there's different levels of sleep. There's light sleep. There's dreams. There's deep sleep. Well, there are also various degrees or levels of being awake. How awake are you? There's waking up in the morning, but you're still a little foggy. Maybe you exercise, take a hot shower or a cold shower, and maybe you throw back a cup of coffee, get a little caffeinated, and you're a lot more awake than you were. Maybe you are stuck in traffic on the way to work, and you get there later than you wanted to, and you're sort of worried about that, and the work is piling up on your desk, and... and stressed out about that how awake are you that's where we're headed with this you are consciousness you are your awareness of your thoughts and your feelings and your behavior so this is the first of a little series that we're going to be presenting in the next few weeks and if you like more information or you just want to comment, first of all, the best way to email me is my initials MB, like Mary Baker, but Michael Benner, just the initial MB at theagelesswisdom.com. The T-H-E, the, the the part of it <laughs> is in the email address, MB at theagelesswisdom.com. Happy to hear from you. And if you visit that website, theagelesswisdom.com, you'll see more about this podcast series and also a way that you can schedule a free introductory private session if you'd like to apply this in your life for sessions free. And I wouldn't ask you to pay for what you don't know you're getting. So we do a free intro. And uh, we can do it by telephone. We can do it by Skype or FaceTime or Zoom. And by going to theagelesswisdom.com or pretty much any of my websites, you'll see a way that uh, you can access my online calendar and schedule that meeting without even needing to contact me in any other way. You'll have access to my calendar and choose a time that works for you from what's available. Okay, sound like a plan? And while you're on one of my websites, theagelesswisdom.com or michaelbenner.com, click the button to sign up for the newsletter if you're not getting that. It's another great way to stay in touch, right? Thanks so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day and be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner from the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School in Palm Springs, California. Namaste. Aloha.